We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 425 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, October 20th, 2022, the day after a successful start to the Wizards 2022-2023 regular season. A 114-107 win at the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night. Oh, the Wizards, they tried to be the Wizards. Uh, They nearly blew an 18-point fourth quarter lead. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, Stephen A. Smith, they are still the Wizards, but they ended up not blowing the entirety of that 18-point fourth quarter lead, and they won. Nice to see that. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The NFL's fall league meeting in Manhattan, New York is over. Dan Snyder still is a co-owner and co-CEO of the Commanders, although the man whose comments on Tuesday afternoon were heard round the NFL, Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay, who said that there's merit to removing Dan as owner. Well, Jim on Wednesday afternoon put out a tweet that read as follows, quote, you got to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. JM, end quote. Uh, I'm assuming that JM stands for John Mellencamp. Uh, That's a quote from a John Mellencamp song. You know, a version of that saying also is in the song Roar by the great Katy Perry. I'll let you decide who gets credit for the saying. But yeah, uh, we remain on Dan Snyder Watch. But of course, whatever happens, uh, if anything happens, uh, may well take a while. In the meantime, we have football to discuss and have a special guest for you on the show, NBC Sports Fantasy Football Analyst Matthew Berry. Uh, You see him on Football Night in America on NBC. He is a big Commanders fan. He'll be with us later in the show to talk Dan Snyder, head coach Ron Rivera, quarterback Carson Wentz, and a lot more. You know, always worthwhile to get a national perspective on your team from someone who actually follows the team closely. Uh, Matthew Berry, like I said, is a big fan of the team. But before we get to Matthew, uh, I have a lot for you from your Commander's Wednesday. Uh, Next segment, we'll talk Commander's offense. Some good news on Wednesday regarding key players potentially being back for the Commanders for their game against the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. You'll hear from Ron Rivera about that and also about a potential new usage for one of those players. Right tackle, 
or should I say right guard, Samuel Cosme. Uh, you'll also hear a lot from Ron on the Commander's new starting quarterback, Taylor Heideke. Uh, you will hear from Taylor himself, including some good stuff from Taylor on how he took the trade for Carson Wentz and on lessons that Taylor has taken from his 2021 season. And I have telling comments from Ron Rivera regarding something with receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, there's a lot to get to next segment on the Commander's offense. I'll then talk Commander's defense, including an update from Rod Rivera on edge defender Chase Young and some notable items from the Packers injury report on Wednesday. I will talk Wizards off their regular season opening win at the Pacers on Wednesday night and have some college football for you. A Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia's game at Georgia Tech on Thursday night. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Robert Delaney with a question about this coming Friday's show. Episode 426 writes, Robert, will you get Zabe to do the Packer preview? Uh, yes, Robert. Steve Zabin, my former co-worker at the Team 980, now the host of the Steve Zabin show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, the host of a podcast, the Zabecast. He will be on Friday's show to talk Packers. Zabe, you know, has made the switch from Redskins fan to Packers fan. He has transitioned. Uh, he's going to hit on that in our conversation. Uh, speaking of changing allegiances, uh, email from Stephen Robertson. Right, Stephen. Great show. I am almost willing to change to the Ravens. They have a stable organization and little drama off the field. I am already an O's fan. I have not really considered this until this weekend. I don't think the commander's dysfunction is going to end anytime soon. Uh, thank you for the email, Stephen. I hear you. I do. And yeah, uh, the commander's dysfunction probably isn't going to end anytime soon. I guess I'll just say this. You know, we're all different. We're all coming at this thing from different perspectives. I can only speak for myself, but I will never, ever not be a fan of the team that we now call the Commanders. Uh, I could never make myself care as much about another NFL team as I do about the Commanders. Uh, like so many of you, uh, I am so sick of so many things with the team, but I care a lot about the team. And, you know, you can't help the way that you feel. And I recognize that I'm always going to feel this way. I can't make myself not care about the team. And I don't view my fandom as being a fan of, say, Dan Snyder or a fan of whoever the head coach happens to be or a fan of whoever the players are or a fan of even whatever the name of the team happens to be. Uh, to me, fandom is more abstract than these things. To me, fandom is about memories and hope. Fandom is about that which you have experienced and that which you hope experience. And I could never just like a race or disregard everything that I've experienced as a fan of this team. And then all of a sudden be all in on say the Baltimore Ravens. Like I just could never do that. But again, that's me. Okay. And just because an approach is right for me doesn't mean that that approach is right for everyone. Like this is a very extreme, unique circumstance. What we have with our football team for a variety of reasons. And so I'm not into like shaming people for reacting to this situation in a way that is different from how I react to the situation. Email from TJS regarding who from commander's ownership 
represented the commanders at the NFL's Fall League meeting, writes TJS, Greetings, Al. Do you know if all 32 teams' owners were on hand in New York? And if so, do you know who was on hand from the commanders? Tanya? The Danny? Both? Thanks and keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for that. TJS. Uh, Yes, all 32 NFL teams are represented at the Fall League meeting, and Tanya Snyder represented the Commanders at the Fall League meeting. Uh, Dan Snyder was not there, and what is in dispute right now is whether Dan was allowed to be there, but just chose to not be there, or he was not allowed to be there. Uh, There is confusion regarding that. One of Dan's attorneys, John Brownlee, He on 106.7 The Fan on Monday made it sound like Dan could attend the NFL's league meeting, but the big ESPN report from last Thursday morning, October 13th, made it sound like Dan still isn't allowed to attend something like the NFL's fall league meeting. Uh, That ESPN report included the following on Dan Snyder, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, and Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones. Quote, a league source says Goodell is operating under the premise that Snyder is still under active investigation and the limits imposed upon him will continue. Snyder recently asked permission to attend league meetings again, resuming his old post next to Jones at the table, but Goodell has said no, end quote. Well, at least according to ESPN, the answer from Roger to Dan on whether he could attend league meetings again is no, But the answer to you on whether now is a good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area is yes. Uh, I know the mortgage rates, but the increases in mortgage rates are being offset big time by decreases in housing prices caused by higher inventory, which has been caused by the increases in mortgage rates. And so if you've been wanting to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, now actually is a great time to buy and you got to get with real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market. He is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life, whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize. Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy. He will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing right now, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Commanders 2022 regular season has been a mess of a season, but the truth is that a win this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers would have the Commanders right in the thick of the NFC wildcard race. Heck, you could argue that right now the Commanders are in the thick of the NFC wildcard race. They at two and four are just a game 
at a seventh in the NFC. Now, obviously, there's more to the commander situation than just that. They have the third worst point differential in the NFL at minus 33. But the point is that as much of a debacle as the commander season has felt like at times, especially with all of the off the field stuff, the season from a football standpoint still has a chance to be a season. But a big part of that continuing includes a win this Sunday. The 2-4 and four Commanders face the 3-3 three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Next segment, I'll talk Commanders defense. This segment, I'll talk Commanders offense. But before that, yes, Commanders head coach Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon did get asked about what Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay said about Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder on Tuesday afternoon at the NFL's Fall League meeting in Manhattan. Quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. End quote. In fact, Ron's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon began with this topic. Uh, the presser began with the following exchange with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. I just want to start by asking, I, I know you're not tasked with answering for the business side, but because this has become such a big story league-wide, what did you make of Jim Irsay's comments yesterday? Oh, I'm not going to comment on that. I mean, the biggest thing, more so anything else, is we're focusing in on playing football. You know, that's my big thing. Is I'm just going to look at what we're doing on the football field and stay focused on that. All right. I know that there are people who want Ron Rivera to speak on the Dan Snyder stuff and to speak on the workplace misconduct scandal stuff. But personally, I have no problem with Ron not speaking on that stuff, especially in a post-practice press conference on the Wednesday before a big game against the Packers the following Sunday. You want to talk about a sit-down interview with Ron? Okay, maybe. But the Dan Snyder stuff, the workplace misconduct scandal stuff, that stuff is on Dan Snyder, uh, who we know basically never talks publicly. That stuff is appropriate subject matter for the team president, Jason Wright. But Ron Rivera really has nothing to do with this stuff. I'm sure that he has opinions on this stuff. Uh, whether he could actually voice his true opinions on that stuff, who knows? Uh, but neither he nor the team nor us as fans need Ron on the Wednesday before a big game against the Packers the following Sunday talking about comments from Jim Irsay about Dan Snyder. Now, Ron, as the post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon went on, did get asked some questions having to do with the Jim Irsay comments potentially being a distraction for the commanders. Uh, For the record, I don't buy for a second that that stuff is a distraction for commanders players or somehow prevents them from playing well. If commanders players struggle because they're distracted by the Jim Irsay comments or are distracted by the Dan Snyder stuff, (laughs) I mean, then those players are weak-minded, man. Like, if quarterback Taylor Heineke throws an interception because he's distracted by the Jim Irsay comments, or if quarter Kendall Fuller gets beat because he's distracted by the Dan Snyder stuff, then we have bigger problems than we ever realized, okay? The Dan Snyder stuff has nothing to do with the players. The Dan Snyder stuff is very important stuff, make no mistake, but the Dan Snyder stuff has nothing to do with the players. The Dan Snyder stuff is independent of the players. I would be very surprised if any of them truly are distracted by the Dan Snyder stuff. All right, so the commander's offense. Uh, We on Wednesday got the first injury report 
for Commanders Packers. Six Commanders players were listed as not practicing on Wednesday. Five of those players were offensive players. Uh, Quarterback Carson Wentz technically was on the injury report. Uh, He was listed as not practicing on Wednesday. No surprise there. Uh, He on Monday underwent surgery to address a fractured finger on his right hand. He is out for at least this game against the Packers, probably for at least several more games after that. And the possibility of him going on the reserve injured list does still exist. Uh, The commander's top two tight ends were listed as not practicing on Wednesday. Logan Thomas did not practice due to a calf injury that has caused him to be inactive for each of the last two games. And John Bates did not practice due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in pregame warmups last Thursday night prior to the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears. He ended up not playing in that game. Yeah, we really haven't talked about that. The commanders in that game were sans the team's top two tight ends. No Logan Thomas, no John Bates. Uh, Running back Jonathan Williams was listed as not practicing on Wednesday due to a knee injury that he suffered in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in week five. He was inactive for the win at the Bears. And receiver Deami Brown was listed as not practicing on Wednesday due to a groin injury. He, for the win at the Bears, was questionable for the game due to that groin issue. He, in the game, played but had no receptions on one target, played on just 5% of the commander's offensive snaps. The good news for the commander's offense in terms of Wednesday's injury report was that both receiver Jahan Dotson and right tackle Samuel Cosme practiced on Wednesday, albeit in limited fashion. Uh, Dotson was listed as having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He has been inactive for each of the last two games due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week four. Cosme was listed as having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He has been inactive for each of the last two games due to a finger injury. He reportedly underwent thumb surgery on October 4th. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how Logan Thomas, Jahan Dodson, and Sam Cosme did on Wednesday. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. It was good to see. They, they all came in this morning and, 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 and looked pretty good. Um, Logan's still, um, you know, he's still off to the side, but Jahan got some reps today. Uh, looked good out on the football field. Uh, Cos got some, uh, some reps today. He's, he's, he's trying to learn how to play with that the hand taped up with the you know basically his left hand and uh he actually looked pretty good what level of optimism do you have that any or all of those three guys could play i got pretty good optimism but i'm optimistic (laughs) yes rod rivera is optimistic uh jahan dodson being back for this game against the packers would be big he remains the commander's leader in receiving touchdowns for the 2022 regular season despite having missed the last two games he has four receiving touchdowns over four games rod on wednesday afternoon on what makes jahan dodson such a good red zone target because of his route running ability and his i think one thing that when you really watch him and and we saw this last year when we were scouting him and you see he uses his body to be between himself the ball and the defender and when when you can do that and you have a catch radius you know you can come up with contested balls you 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 present the type of target that a quarterback needs it doesn't matter where he throws it he's going to be able to go get it and protect it and and i think that's one of the keys to his success um i I think his route running because it's very precise as well is uh is is you know it's a very he he runs very mature routes it's probably a good way to put it you know there's you don't see him cut a route short you don't see a guy you know throwing extra 
wiggle her in there or anything like that. It's 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 you know get to where he needs to be, get to his depth, get to his area, and bam, turn around, and present the target. Quarterbacks have confidence in that. Great breakdown there from Ron Rivera on Jahan Dodson. I thought that that was really good. Uh, as for Sam Cosme, so something that I and others have talked about is the idea of keeping Cosme's replacement at right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, at right tackle, and moving Cosme to right guard. A, there are those who believe that Cosme's best long-term position in the NFL is guard. B, if the idea with an offensive line is for it to feature your five best offensive linemen, uh, well, Lucas would seem to qualify as one of the commander's five best offensive linemen. Cornelius Lucas was the highest graded offensive player for the commanders in the win at the Bears for Pro Football Focus. He registered an overall grade of 88.4. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, All Lucas has done for Washington over his three seasons with the team is play well when called upon at left tackle and right tackle. And so with all of that in mind, we on Wednesday afternoon had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic and Ron Rivera. Um, Ron, uh, uh, Sam Cosme limited today. I guess we'll see later on this week if he's able to go. In the name of putting your best lineman on the field and and knowing that Cornelius Lucas has done a pretty decent job at tackle, is there any consideration about putting Cosme inside and leaving Lucas there to get your five best guys arguably on the field? Yeah, arguably it is and arguably it isn't. I mean, at the end of the day, we also got to see how Sam's going to hold up with that left hand. And that's probably the biggest concern right now. Um, he's trying to feel his way through it and see how he is. And, you know, we'll continue to work with him this week and say, see how that goes. I guess it's more in his case. If you view him as the long-term right tackle, then maybe you wouldn't want to move him. But if there's open to, hey, we got to figure out how to get this going now and maybe he could be inside. Is that also like sort of part of the short and long-term thinking with how you use him? It could be. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, hey, 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 Green Bay, this is what we're going to do. I mean, it's a good point. It really is. But, but I'm not going to, you know, get up here and tell you guys what, what what our plans are. You know, I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's it's a good. Qu- I mean, it really is a good question. I'm just saying, I'm not going to sit here and discuss what our plans are if we're going to do something like that. So that was an entertaining, well-played series of not-answer answers from Ron Rivera, but note uh, that also was not a denial from Ron. He did not refute, he did not shut down the notion of the commanders doing what may well be the right thing to do with their offensive line this season, keep Cornelius Lucas at right tackle and move Sam Cosme to right guard. Now, I do think that Sadiq Charles has been all right at right guard since replacing the benched Trey Turner in the loss at the Cowboys. Uh, You could put Cosme or Charles at left guard in place of Andrew Norwell, but Norwell, to his credit, played well in the win at the Bears. He, in fact, was the second highest graded offensive player for the commanders in the game for pro football focus. He registered an overall grade of 81.1 in what was very much a bounce back game for him off him having been horrendous in the loss to the Titans. So a lot to be thinking about with the commander's offensive line. Whoever makes up the commander's offensive line this Sunday afternoon will be protecting starting quarterback Taylor Heineke. Uh, Tay-Tay is back as Washington's starting quarterback, of course, filling in for the injured Carson Wentz. Uh, Taylor Heineke on Wednesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. Here he was on the commander's this past March trading for Carson of Taylor having been Washington's primary starting quarterback last season. Yeah, I understood it. Um, 
and I get it. Uh, you know, you're always looking for the next best guy in this league, and uh, that's the only way you get better. So, um, you know, I understood it. I um, I accepted it, and I just you know kept working hard. Um, and that's the only thing I could do. That's the only thing I could control. So, um, again, you know, th- throughout the whole offseason, I was like, I'm going to prepare like I'm starting because who knows what's going to happen. The NFL is a crazy game. 100% of the people in the NFL get hurt at some point. So, um, again, it's unfortunate that Carson got hurt. But, um, you know, here we are, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to go play. I do think that if Taylor Heineke plays well, he'll remain as the commander's starting quarterback, even once Carson Wentz is healthy. But will Taylor play well? Uh, he, in the 2021 regular season, started 15 of Washington's 17 games. He at times played very well. He at times was really bad. Uh, Taylor finished 23rd out of 31 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL and ESPN's total QBR for the 2021 regular season. Something that's undeniable uh, is Taylor's relationship with Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner, right? Washington is the third NFL team on which Taylor and Scott have worked together. The Minnesota Vikings and Carolina Panthers are the other two teams. Also, as Taylor's college head coach, former Old Dominion head coach Bobby Wilder has talked about on the podcast, Scott Turner was the only NFL coach who visited Taylor during his time at ODU. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how much Taylor Heineke's knowledge of Scott Turner's offense could be a benefit to the team. Uh, you, you see it, you know, like today we, we had a route out there and, and one of the guys could have done something a little different and Taylor right away, you know, explained it to him. And, and it, you see that just because of, of his background in this. I mean, he's been in it since Minnesota when he was with, with the Vikings way back when. So he's got a very good knowledge of it. And you saw it during the regular season, you know, when he was the backup, going up to players and explaining certain things to him. So he, he's, he's, he's very solid in this. What about the fact that Taylor Heineke now has legitimate experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL? Taylor entered the 2021 regular season with two career NFL starts, regular season and postseason. He, in the 2021 regular season, as mentioned, started 15 of Washington's 17 games. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on what his expectations for Taylor Heineke are now, given that Taylor has that 2021 season under his belt. Well, I, I think one of the things that you really do see, and, and, and like I said, I, I really saw it as we went through training camp and, and, and the first few, uh, few weeks of the season, is just his overall interaction and understanding of it. The way he, he controls it with his teammates, the way he disseminates it and spreads it amongst his guys. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I see a little bit of air confidence. I really do. And, and, and I think it's spreading to his teammates, just his, his, his overall knowledge. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Yes, it is. Here was Taylor Heineke on Wednesday afternoon on where he's at now as an NFL quarterback as compared to where he was at last season. I think the biggest thing I took away from last year was uh, just the experience. Um, I think the more reps you get in live games, the more comfortable you get. Um, So starting 15 games last year, I feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident in uh, what I need to do to win and what not to do to lose. Um, You know, obviously last year I threw 15 picks. That's unacceptable. Um, That's the easiest way to lose games is turn the ball over. So if I can keep the ball in our possession, uh, just move the chains. And, you know, obviously against Packers last year, we we moved the ball. We got down to the red zone. We just couldn't punch it in. So uh, against these guys, you know, move the ball, get down the red zone and score this time. I think, uh, you know, I like our chances. 
Good stuff there from Taylor Heineke. You know, he this past offseason worked a good bit on his throwing mechanics, especially getting his legs and hips into his throws. As Shakira once told us, the hips, they don't lie. Uh, We know that Taylor does not have a strong arm, but what has made that even more of an issue is him not stepping into his throws. Uh, Taylor on Wednesday afternoon on working on his throwing mechanics in order to have more velocity on his throws. You know, I was really just kind of using my arm last year. Um, wasn't really getting my hips into it at times. Um, I think that's that's where you get all your power from. Uh, so again, you know, I, I've tried to use my hips a lot more. Uh, it's kind of like a golf swing. Um, it's pretty much the same exact thing as a golf swing. Um, so I've been, you know, I golfed a lot and, uh, and and tried to work on those mechanics. So uh, that was that was my off season. You know, something else to keep in mind with Taylor Heineke in terms of this season versus last season is the weapons at his disposal. Uh, Taylor Heineke in the 2021 season never had a truly healthy Curtis Samuel at receiver. Taylor in the 2021 season did not have Jahan Dotson at receiver. Taylor in the 2021 season did not have Brian Robinson Jr. at running back. Taylor in the 2021 season went a good chunk of the season without running back J.D. McKissick. Uh, The worry would be the offensive line. Yes, uh, Washington's offensive line last season a lot better than the offensive line has been so far this season. But Taylor as a starting quarterback for Washington this season has weapons that he did not have last season. Here was Taylor on Wednesday afternoon on hopefully having both Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dodson this Sunday afternoon against the Packers. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, you guys see what Curtis can do. Um, it's amazing. And, you know, I've been with him in Carolina. So the timing with me and him is, uh, I feel like it's there. Um, I've, I know what to expect from him. Jahan, on the other hand, um, I haven't got a lot of reps with him, you know, throughout the OTAs and offseason. Um, you know, Carson was really working a lot with him. Um, but, you know, I feel comfortable with him. He's a smart guy. He makes a lot of good plays. Um, and I feel like I have a lot of trust in him, and I'm sure he has the same in me. So um, it's going to be it's gonna be fun to have those guys out there and, and see what they can do. Now, someone who Taylor Heineke did have as a weapon last season and has this season is receiver Terry McLaurin. Coming up in moments, very telling comments from Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how the commanders need to use Terry. Uh, trust me. You don't want to miss this. A law firm that never misses is Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think 
that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nason. Schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. So Terry McLaurin, he and the win at the Bears last Thursday night, three receptions for 41 yards on four targets. He drew a pass interference penalty, and he had two carries for 11 yards and a fumble. He played on 98% of the commander's offensive snaps. I thought that this was very notable. So Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon got asked about Terry McLaurin in his NFL career, again, having to handle a quarterback change as the commanders are in the midst of a quarterback change, right? Carson Wentz injured, Taylor Heineke now the new starting quarterback. Well, here was Ron's answer to the question. You're going to hear Ron answer the question, and then you're going to hear Ron pivot to a totally different point regarding Terry. Well, you know, that's what you want. Uh, You want to be able to do that. I was fortunate to have that, you know, earlier um, when I was in Carolina. But it, it, the continuity is important. And, and for a guy like Terry, especially Terry, the, the rapport he has and he develops with guys is tremendous because of his athletic ability and his skill set. I mean, one thing we do have to do as well, and we've got to be cognizant, but we've got to make sure he's involved at the very, very beginning of what we're trying to do because he's such a dynamic guy. I mean, we've got to be on that and pay attention to that. So how about that? Ron Rivera in an answer about Terry McLaurin having to deal with yet another change at quarterback making it a point to say of Terry, quote, we've got to make sure he's involved at the very, very beginning of what we're trying to do because he's such a dynamic guy. We've got to be on that and pay attention to that, end quote. Hear, hear to that. Uh, I don't think that there's a Commanders fan on the planet who disagrees with that. One of the more maddening things about Washington the last few seasons has been the lack of targets and touches for Terry early in games. Uh, Ron Rivera, during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, talked about having conducted a self-scout during the commander's mini-buy of having played last Thursday night. And one of the things that Ron talked about was ways of using certain players. And I think that that cut of Ron that I just played for you clearly says that part of what Ron was talking about on Tuesday afternoon was getting Terry McLaurin involved in the offense earlier in games. And you wonder how much of what Ron said on Wednesday afternoon there uh, was a message to Scott Turner of, hey, Scotty, uh, get Terry touches earlier in games. Uh, Terry in Washington's game against the Packers last season, the 24-10 loss at the Packers on October 24th, 2021, did finish with good numbers, uh, seven receptions for 122 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets in playing on 92% of Washington's offensive snaps. And Washington's uh, quarterback for that game was, yes, Taylor Heineke. And then there is the commander's running game. Uh, look, the commander's running game overall has not been good this season. The commanders through week six are 29th out of 32 NFL teams in rushing offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. But the Packers, through week six, are dead last in the NFL in run defense per DVOA 
for the 2022 regular season. And the Commanders, in the win at the Bears last Thursday night, ended up running the ball pretty well. Running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick combined for 24 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That works out to 4.79 yards per carry. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on what we could see from the Commanders' running game against the Packers on Sunday afternoon. One thing I'd like to see us do is, you know, at, at the end of the, the the second quarter and into the third quarter, we I, I really saw what, what we hoped for and we envisioned. You know, J.D. got some carries in, in passing situations. He caught the ball out on routes and in space and, and did some really good things. You know, we, we watched B-Rob be physical and downhill between the tackles. And then we brought A.G. in, and, and, and he was explosive off the edge. I mean, that's what what these guys can all do and, and they bring to the table. And we've, we've got to be able to make sure we can have that kind of mis- mix because it gives us an opportunity to, to really open up the offense. It, it'll really help with the play action. And I know Taylor's very good at play action, so we've got to be able to run the football. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, by the way, you know who the Packers defensive coordinator is, don't you? Former Redskins defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Uh, He was the Skins defensive coordinator for the 2015 and 2016 seasons. The Skins 2015 defense was okay, but the Skins 2016 defense was terrible. Uh, That, as much as anything, cost the Skins a playoff spot that season. More now on the Commanders, off them practicing on Wednesday in preparation for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field at 1. Let's talk Commanders defense. All but one defensive player on the Commanders 53-man roster practiced to at least some extent on Wednesday. Uh, That player was corner William Jackson the third, uh, WJ3. He was listed as having not practiced on Wednesday due to his ailing back. Uh, Him playing this Sunday certainly seems like the longest of long shots, given not only the back, but uh, that he and the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5 got benched, and that he may or may not have asked to be traded, uh, depending on who you believe. Two commanders defensive players were listed as having been limited in practice on Wednesday. Safety Percy Butler was listed as having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He has been inactive for each of the last two games due to a quadriceps injury. And corner Tariq Castro-Fields was listed as having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday due to a knee issue. Otherwise, the commander's defense is healthy from the standpoint of active roster players. Of course, there are key defensive players who aren't on the team's active roster, like edge defender Chase Young. Yeah, remember him? Uh, Chase was set to see Dr. James Andrews. Uh, We, as of Wednesday afternoon, we're still waiting on that. Uh, Chase, for weeks now, has been eligible to be activated off the reserve physically unable to perform list, the PUP list, but him being activated sure doesn't seem like it'll be happening this week. Uh, we are approaching the one-year anniversary of when Chase suffered his torn right ACL, November 14th, 2021, the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field. Now, it has been well established that Chase Young's ACL surgery was not a basic ACL surgery. Uh, Chase, in a post-OTA practice press conference on June 1st, revealed that a graft from his left patellar tendon had been used for his right knee, indicating that his right ACL was reconstructed 
and not simply repaired. NFL insider Jordan Schultz on August 23rd tweeted that Chase's injured right leg also had included a, quote, fully ruptured patella, end quote. And NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com, he on October 2nd reported that Chase was, quote, targeting a midseason return, end quote. So yeah, Chase Young's ACL surgery was not a basic ACL surgery. We have known for a while that his recovery was taking a while. Uh, That said, this week is week seven of the NFL season. Uh, This is, or at least uh, was supposed to be, Chase Young's age 23 season. He's a young guy. He's an athletic freak. Is it not at least a little concerning that his recovery is moving so slowly? And so we on Wednesday afternoon had the following exchange between Commanders insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Commanders head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference. Chase, I think we're just kind of conditioned to think of ACLs as like eight-month injuries, but obviously we're we're well past that. Is is there anything in particular that that maybe didn't go as planned there or was different than normal? I I think the big thing, more than anything else, ACLs are not eight months. Okay, there's a couple guys that, that 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 are special. I mean, you know, um, um, Adrian Peterson was special. I mean, and that's the truth of the matter. Is typically we do about ten months to a year to a year and a half. It, you know, everybody responds differently, and we did say this that Chase's repair was a little more extensive, um, and it's you know it, it's just taking a little bit more time. Um, you know, he's coming up on on a year, and uh, the big thing, most anything else, is right now he's 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 where I think the doc envisioned him. He's going to see Dr. Andrews later this week, and uh, we'll get an update where he is. Is there any concern with him coming back on the mental side of it, coming back mid-year and everything that comes with, obviously, building the confidence and all that, not getting a full training camp? And that's the big thing is you got to build the confidence as well. I mean, you know, he's had a repair. Uh, To your point, you know, he didn't have the type of training camp you'd like to have getting ready to play. Um, but he's done a heck of a job. You know, you guys don't get to see it, the full, you know, the, the the full display of what they have him doing on the side. But you know, hopefully it continues to go well, and, and hopefully it's a good report when he sees uh, Dr. Andrews this week. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I tell you, this just more and more is feeling like a lost season for Chase Young. Uh, now, maybe, hopefully, whenever he plays this season, assuming that he plays this season. He hits the ground running and is great, and we exit this season super excited about what's to come from Chase Young. But the more likely scenario seems to be that Chase, whenever he plays this season, assuming that he plays this season, will take some games to get going. And by then, how deep into the season will we be? This just feels like it's going to end up being a lost season for Chase Young off what was, of course, a disappointing and injury-marred second NFL season for Chase last season. You know, the commanders this offseason have to decide on whether to exercise the fifth-year option in Chase Young's rookie contract, and there's a very good chance that they'll be making that decision off him having had one good season over three NFL seasons, and that one good season will have been his most distant season, his 2020 rookie season. And I'm not saying that the commanders shouldn't exercise the fifth-year option in Chase's rookie contract. What I am saying is Ain't nobody who's a Commanders fan who would have signed up for this as a first three seasons for Chase Young when the Redskins took him with the number two pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, Credit to the Commanders, though, because their defensive line is playing well this season, even without Chase Young. The Commanders through week six 
have the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number 11 in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number 5 in the NFL in run defense per DVOA. Number 4 in the NFL in team sack percentage. Number 3 in the NFL in pressure percentage per Sport Radar. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on why the commander's defensive line has been so good at generating pressure this season. I think because of the understanding of, of, of the discipline to what we need, and, and really you see that a lot more with their run gaps. We've done some pretty good things in, in runs now. We've given up a couple of running explosives, but when we're disciplined and, and, and it all starts with the get off getting into your crease, now as you move, you're no longer head up on a guy as much as you're already into the crease and getting vertical. And you'll see that. Um, one guy that's really, I mean, his game is really is, is, has been watching Jonathan um, do a couple different things this year that has been really cool. You watch Duran, and when Duran's explosive and going vertical, he's, he's, he's already into the crease, and he's gotten a chance to really win. As far as Montez is concerned, um, I saw a stat also. So Montez is one of the top uh, ends against the run as well. And again, it's getting vertical. It's getting into the backfield and then basically playing the run on your way to the quarterback. That unit was kind of the strength of your 2020 team. Do you think they're playing better than they are than they did then? Or I think they have you... a chance to. I think they've done some really good things. And, and again, we just got to continue to work on, on being disciplined and you know, continue to, the, to, to keep, keep getting better as a group. Yeah, lots of good stuff from Commander's defensive linemen this season, especially lately. Uh, Montez Sweat, Duran Payne, Jonathan Allen, James Smith-Williams, F.A. Obata, Casey Tuhill, uh, all of those guys doing a lot of good things. Uh, big challenge, obviously, in facing Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers this Sunday afternoon, although the Packers are in a weird place right now. Uh, they have gone from 3-1 and one to 3-3. Three and three. A 27-22 loss to the New York Giants in London in Week 5. And then that stunning 27-10 loss at home to the New York Jets in Week 6. Among those Packers players who were listed as not practicing on Wednesday, three key offensive players. Aaron Rodgers did not practice on Wednesday due to a right thumb issue. Receiver Randall Cobb did not practice on Wednesday due to an ankle ailment. And receiver Christian Watson did not practice on Wednesday due to a hamstring injury. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, through week six, believe it or not, just 24th out of 32 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR for the 2022 regular season. The Packers, this past March, traded their stud receiver, Devontae Adams, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how much of an impact losing Devontae Adams has had on the Packers. Well, I think it's made a huge difference for them. I know it's made a big difference for the quarterback. You know, he and Devontae had a tremendous amount of rapport. They worked tremendously well together, and I think, you know, it looks like he's trying to develop that with some of his other guys. So, And they haven't had a healthy core of, of receivers either this year. So it's been tough. It's been tough on them. But, you know, they're still an explosive, dynamic team because they've got some playmakers. Well, Rod Rivera, rather blunt right there in saying that the Packers very much miss Devontae Adams, that his absence has, quote, made a huge difference for them, end quote. Uh, the Packers, through week six of the following offensive rankings for the 2022 regular season, just 16th in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA, 10th in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA. Up next, a very special guest, NBC Sports fantasy football analyst Matthew Barry, 
He's a big Commanders fan. We're going to get into the state of the team, the state of the Commanders season, and a lot more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now a very special guest. He is a premier authority in fantasy football. He also is a big fan of the Commanders. He is NBC Sports fantasy football analyst Matthew Berry. You see him on Football Night in America on NBC. He has well over 1.1 million followers on Twitter. Perhaps you are one of them, at Matthew Berry TMR. He is the host of a podcast, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry. Matthew, it's great to have you on. How are you? Al, I'm great. It's always a pleasure to talk uh, Commanders football. Lifelong Commanders fan here. (laughs) Is it still odd for you to say Commanders, or are you getting used to saying Commanders? Yeah, I'm getting used to it a little bit. You know, it's funny. When the name change happened, it was, I was doing a podcast and they said like, what do you think about Commanders? I look, look, it wasn't my first choice. Don't love it. Don't hate it. It's fine. I said, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, what'll solve it is just winning, winning and time. Like, you know, I always think about names. Um, you know, what's eBay? Like think about the very first day they came up with the name eBay. <laughs> and like what, you know, E-B-A-Y, you know, or like you can imagine being in the board meeting with, you know, Steve Jobs. Wait a minute. Steve, I'm sorry, you want to name this technology company after after a fruit? What? You know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, you know, what does Xerox mean? I, I don't know. Like, names are weird until they're not. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about the name real quickly, though, is uh, I know Jai, Joe Theismann a little bit. I mean, I, we're not certainly close or anything like that, but I've met him on occasion uh, through our mutual work at ESPN and over the years at various events, and he knows I'm a lifelong, uh, lifelong fan of the team. And so uh, I saw him at a Super Bowl party, uh, and this is like, whatever, a week or two after they announced the name was going to be the Commanders. And so I walked up to him, and you know, Joe's like, hey, Matthew, how you doing? And as I shook his hand, I'm like, Joe, Joe, what do we think of the Commanders? Commanders, man, what, what are we thinking? And he turns to me, and he goes, listen, we're not the Pelicans. <laughs> and, and, I just, and I just laughed, and I'm like, dude, that's such a great line. I said, that's right. Like, we could be the Guardians. We could be the Pelicans. It could always be worse. So, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of like football team. 
I kind of liked, I would have liked Red Hogs or Red Wolves or something with red in the title to, you know, sort of uh, acknowledge the past of the team. And, and football team had grown on me. But uh, for whatever, Commanders is fine. That's the least of the team's issues. That's true. That's very true. I read that you lived in Virginia early in life. Is that how you became a Redskins fan? Yeah, correct. Until I was 12 years old. And so, I mean, the first time I ever met Joe, um, and this will tell you, like I said, Joe, I was probably like, I don't know, eight, eight years old, 10 years old or something like that. And I wrote a fan letter to you. I was living in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, and I was a huge fan of the team. And I wrote a little fan letter to Joe Theismann. I don't know, three weeks later, a month later, I got a I got a nice note and an autographed picture back from Joe. And I don't know if it was Joe or somebody that worked for Joe, but it meant the light world to me, you know, as, as a little kid. And so I grew up, you know, during the Joe Gibbs era, during the, you know, all the Super Bowls and, and the success. And so just sort of fell in love with the team, obviously. And, you know, that's where my fandom comes from. And that's where my Joe Theismann fandom comes from, right? One of the all-time greats uh, for the team. Yeah, no doubt. So with our team, there's the football and there's the non-football. And right now, the non-football is impossible to avoid. Everything going on regarding the co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, including Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay on Tuesday afternoon, saying of Dan, quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins, end quote. Where are you on Dan, maybe, possibly, at some point, being out as owner of the team. I want to see the evidence. I mean, I think I feel like everyone, which is just like, you know, there's a lot of smoke. I'd like to see some fire. Uh, you know, obviously, as a fan of the team, the, the performance on the field has been very, very frustrating. You hear the reports, and uh, assuming those reports are true and they seem to come from very credible witnesses, you know, it's awful. It's awful behavior. Um and so, and you know, awful behavior needs consequences. So, but I would like to, you know, I'd like to see the Wilkinson report. I think I feel like everyone, like you'd like to see the re- the results of the um, of the Wilkinson report. You know, I, I'm I'm anxious, like a lot of people, to see the Mary Jo White report. And uh, you know, I think you want to get all of you know, see everything, hear everything uh, before making a a judgment. But certainly, it's. At the moment, there's some pretty damning smoke, if you will. Do you know Dan Snyder? Have you interacted with him at all? I've met him briefly uh, once, but I I wouldn't claim that I know him at all. I know a number of people around the commanders, uh, uh, you know, including Jason Wright. I'm a big fan of Jason. I think he's done as good a job as possible given the hand he's been dealt. I mean, I, I, I don't know how anyone else could handle it better given all the stuff that has happened Happen is the wrong way to phrase that. I don't know how anyone else could have handled it. All the stuff that has come out since, from the past, since Jason Wright has taken over. I mean, again, I think he's gotten dealt a really poor hand, and I think he's done a really good job uh, navigating to the best of his abilities. Right? You know, it's you know, at, at this point, uh, there's only so much you can do. We're talking Commanders with NBC Sports fantasy football analyst Matthew Barry, who is a big Commanders fan. The entire situation is such a challenge. It's amazing. We're coming up on 30 years since the end of the glory days for the franchise. If you consider the glory days as having ended with the 1992 season, what was the final season of Joe Gibbs' first run 
as Redskins head coach. Do you think that the team enjoying another sustained run of success is impossible until Dan Snyder is out as owner? Boy, that's so hard to say. Um, I, I certainly think that given all the all the controversy around uh, the Snyders owning the team, uh, certainly a fresh start would make a lot of sense. Do I think that they will never win uh, without him? No, I don't. I don't. You know, if, if if he remains the owner. By the way, my assumption is that he will. Here's the thing. I'll just be honest here. I'm just being super honest. The easiest thing in the world to do is to dump on Snyder. I get it. I totally get it. I understand. I have my frustrations. Uh, I'm just talking on the field product, right? Yeah. Um, you know, on the field, like he hung on to Bruce Allen way too long, and that's on ownership, right? You know, some of the stuff that he's been involved with, all that stuff is, I think, fair game for criticism. And it's, you know, it's not a great experience. Um, it's It's been a while since I've been to a game, but, you know, when I went, it wasn't a great experience. And in fairness, I've not been to a game since Jason Wright has taken over. And I think that, you know, the team has made a lot of efforts to try to improve uh, where they can. So, I don't know. I, I just feel like the easiest thing in the world is just to dump on Snyder. And I understand the frustrations, Again, I'm talking on-the-field stuff. If the -the off-the-field stuff is true, if the -the off-the-field stuff is true, then, you know, then, yeah, I mean, 100%, he should not be be owning an NFL team. He should probably be in jail if the the stuff is true. (laughs) If all all the stuff is true, I mean, and I'm saying, again, there's many accusations out there in terms of both, uh, obviously, sexual harassment, in terms of, of, uh, you know, awful workplace culture, in terms of theft, you know, I mean, in, in terms of, you know, financial theft. I mean, there's unbelievable amounts of, there's five different investigations going on. Again, we don't know the results of those investigations. And so I want to, I'm a big innocent until proven guilty. And I get that there's a lot of smoke. I'm not going to be shocked if the smoke turns to fire, but I also want to be, you know, I want to be fair to the process. Right. And so I'm not ready to sit there and say like, yes, the team will never be successful because I do believe in, like I said, I do believe in Jason, Wright. Um, I'm a fan of Ron Rivera giving you kind of a mamby-pamby answer, but that's sort of how I feel. Like, I just I just feel, you know, just bitching about Snyder is what everyone does, and it's done forever, and it's just it's sort of the reality that we're in. Uh, like, he's the owner of the team, so okay, so what can we do to improve this situation? And I do think there have been steps made to try to improve the situation. With the actual football with the Commanders, season number three with Ron Rivera as head coach in a coach-centric approach. Uh, the team is just two and four. Taylor Heineke now is the team starting quarterback with Carson Wentz out for who knows how long off undergoing surgery for a fractured finger on his right hand. Is this season salvageable, in your opinion, or should we already be all in on the 2023 offseason? Talk to me after the Green Bay game. I think if they win the Green Bay game and they're three and four and they're sort of back in, and I sort of, we keep saying, we, I don't believe in the Giants, but I don't believe in the Giants. I know. I get it. They're five and one. I think if we lose the Green Bay game, then yes, you're absolutely looking to 2023. But the Green Bay game's winnable. They've lost to the Jets and the Giants. But that's a game we should win. And we should have won the Titans. Uh, we should have won the Titans game. We should have won the Lions game. There is a flaw that I would say. Uh, with Ron Rivera as a head coach. I, I think he is too loyal. He is, by all accounts, just an awesome human being. And I've met him a few times. Again, wouldn't say I know him you know, well, but I've certainly met him a few times. And talking to a bunch of people around the NFL, people that know him, people that have played for him, like he is, to a man, absolutely beloved. 
I've never heard somebody say a bad thing about Ron Rivera. The results haven't been there, and certainly it's tough to say, um, hey, we're rebuilding, and you're like, well, Brian Dayball showed up to New York, and the Giants are 5-1. and one. It has been a very tumultuous three-season run for Ron Rivera, just in terms of the quarterback position. Uh, he made the big trade for Carson Wentz this past March. We'll see what happens with Carson the rest of this season as he's now out of having suffered the fractured finger in the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears this past Thursday night. I'm curious, what do you think of Carson and how he has played this season? I think the reason the Washington Commanders are 2-4, and four, if you went down a list of the reasons why the Commanders are 2-4, and four, I think quarterback play is not high at the list. He's been fine. He's made some big-time throws. Uh, you know, the the pick at the end of the game on Tennessee, that's tough, right? But if Dotson's healthy and Logan Thomas is healthy, maybe that play ends up differently. And by the way, if the defense stops Tennessee, they don't need to go down and, and, and win that game, right? Like the, the defense let Ryan Tannehill pick them apart. I just, I don't know, right? I mean, I think the defense lost the Detroit game. Philadelphia is just a better team, right? Philadelphia and, you know, I think the biggest issues with the commanders this year are the defense and the offensive line. And so I would blame a lot of Carson Wentz's struggles, not all of them, because the sacks are sometimes on quarterbacks, and I think sometimes he holds on to the ball too long. But, the, you know, let you know, not figuring out a way to keep uh, Brandon Scherf, you know, um, uh, you know the, the offensive line, that, that was a big mistake. I, I just think that our offensive line, and that's a personnel thing, and that's a – you know, that's a management and ownership thing. I think that's that's been uh, that's been an issue. You know, Cosby hasn't worked out as well as we hoped. Like, I just that's the to me that's where I that's where I would place it. You know, like Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, like uh, Kyle Allen, like they they did the they did the best they could with what they had to work with. We're we're not a destination for free agent quarterbacks. They rarely come on the market, but when they do come on the market, like we're not a destination. And that's because of what's happened over the, the past, you know, 20 years uh, under Snyder and Bruce Allen's leadership. Like, Bruce Allen really drove the, the team into the ground uh, in terms of uh, football operations. Yes, there's a reason that he's known as Brucifer. Uh, final question for you. So doing what you do, how do you watch Commander's games? I'm assuming that you on an NFL Sunday have to consume all of the games. So do you watch Sunday Commander's games on Mondays? Are you able to take in Sunday Commanders games on Sundays? Uh, what is the Matthew Berry process for watching his football team? The answer is both. So I watch all the games at once, and then I go back and watch uh, the, the condensed versions uh, afterwards. You know, the ones without the commercial breaks and everything like that. So I do both. I do both. It is it is tough, you know, to focus on, because you're focusing on all the teams. And, like, now that I'm a part of Football Night in America, um, and uh, so, the, you know, the Sunday night pregame show before the big Sunday night football game on NBC, I have to obviously be aware in the moment of what's going on in all the games that happened prior to that show. So but then I'll go back the next day and I'll, I'll watch uh, all the games individually. Gotcha. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on very much. Continued success and uh, hopefully better days are ahead for our team, NBC Sports fantasy football analyst, Matthew Berry. Matthew, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome, Al. Thanks for having me. All 
All right, a nice solid start to the Wizards 2022-2023 regular season. A 114-107 win at the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night. Now, this game flirted with ending in disaster for the Wizards. Uh, They led by 18 points in the fourth quarter. The Wizards allowed that lead to get cut to three in the final minute. Uh, But the Wizards ultimately hung on to win. The Wizards averted disaster. The Wizards came through with the victory. Uh, Unlike the Dallas Mavericks, did you see what happened with them late night on Wednesday night? They blew a 22-point third-quarter lead and a 15-point fourth-quarter lead in a 107-105 loss at the Phoenix Suns. So the outcome could have been much worse than what the outcome ended up being uh, for our Wizards. Uh, They, on Wednesday night, were without one key player due to injury and got an injury scare with another key guy. Uh, Corey Kispert did not play due to a sprained left ankle. Denny Avdia started, but played for just 7 minutes 40 seconds as he suffered a sprained right ankle. You know, he had just come off a groin injury. I'm not sure if the groin had anything to do with the ankle injury being suffered, but whatever the case, Avdia went down with a sprained right ankle. Uh, He was good in his brief playing time in this game. 7 minutes 40 seconds of playing time. Like I said, he had a plus-minus rating of plus 14. And, you know, Denny Avdia is one of the Wizards' better defenders. He early in the game actually guarded the Pacers' starting point guard, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, But the Wizards ended up winning, despite Denny Avdia uh, not playing much. Uh, The Wizards were really good inside on Wednesday night. Wiz ended up dominating the paint. Now, they caught a big break. Uh, Pacers' big man, Miles Turner, was a late scratch due to suffering a sprained left ankle during pregame warmups. And the Wizards ended up benefiting from this big time. The Wizards outscored the Pacers in the paint 58-34. Uh, The Wizards held the Pacers to just 24 of 55 shooting on twos. Uh, The Wizards out-rebounded the Pacers 53-42. The Wizards' offense was decent. Not great, but decent. The Wizards shot 35.5% on threes. 11-31 went 31-61 on twos. Did commit 17 turnovers. Uh, In terms of the Wizards' big three, Bradley Beal, Chris Damps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma, Uh, Not great shooting from those guys, but you did get production from those guys. So Bradley Beal, he was playing in a regular season game for the first time since the month of January. Uh, Remember, Beal in the 2021-2022 regular season played in just 40 of the Wizards' 82 games. He did not play in a game after the month of January. He, on February 10th, underwent surgery for a torn ligament in his left wrist. Well, Beal on Wednesday night, 37 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter. He went just 2-7 of on threes. Uh, This, to me, is a big storyline for Beal this season, him being better on threes. Well, just 2-7 of on threes on Wednesday night, but he went 7-10 on twos, 3-3 on free throws, finished with 23 points, 6 assists versus 3 turnovers, and 5 rebounds. Chris Stamps, Porzingis, 31-47 as a starter. He went just 1-5 of on threes, just 4-9 on twos, and just 4-6 on free throws. So his shooting was not good. He finished with 15 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, versus two turnovers and two blocks. And we found out after the game that Porzingis, at least according to him, turned his left ankle prior to the game. How did he do this? He did this while he and his teammates were jumping around after pregame introductions. Uh, We had a lot of ankle issues with this game on Wednesday night, right? Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia, Miles Turner, Chris Dabbs, Porzingis. Uh, Well, the zinger ended up playing through the discomfort did finish, like I said, with 15 points and 10 boards. Uh, Kyle Kuzma on Wednesday night, 34-30 as a starter. Went just 3-10 of on threes and just 3-5 of on free throws. But he went 5-9 of on twos, finished with 22 points, 13 rebounds, 2 assists 
versus two turnovers and two blocks. Kuzma in the first quarter that the Wizards won 36-25, had 10 points and four rebounds. Uh, Two significant Wizards newcomers did well on Wednesday night. The single biggest move by the Wizards in terms of an acquisition this past offseason was the Wizards on July 6th officially announcing having traded Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith to the Denver Nuggets for Monte Morris and Will Barton. Uh, Morris and Barton were good on Wednesday night. Morris in 21-23 as a starter. Did go just one of five on twos, but he went one of one on threes, finished with seven points, six assists versus one turnover, six rebounds, two steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 17. He is the Wizards' number one point guard, and uh, I thought he did a nice job on Wednesday night. Barton, 25-07 off the bench, 2-3 on threes, 4-4 on free throws. Did go just 2-7 on twos, but he finished with 14 points, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers. Uh, Daniel Gafford was good off the bench, 15-59 off the bench, 6-8 of on twos, 12 points, and 7 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards. He did have no assists versus two turnovers. Uh, Rui Hachimura in exactly 24 minutes off the bench, 101 on threes, finished with seven points and five rebounds. He did have no assists versus three turnovers and did go just two of six on twos. I'd say if there was a major disappointment with this game, and this really wasn't surprising, but this does fall under the umbrella of disappointing, uh, Johnny Davis, who the Wizards took with the number 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft, a DNP CD. Uh, Now, if you've been following the Wizards, you're not stunned by this. Davis did not have a great preseason. He did not have a great summer league. Uh, Head coach Wes Unsell Jr. has basically indicated we're taking things rather slowly with Johnny Davis. Uh, But yeah, I mean, ideally, you're not spending a number 10 pick in an NBA draft on a guy who in game number one of the regular season is a DNPCD. But, you know, we're one game into the season, so let's see where we are, say, a month from now, two months from now. But yeah, Johnny Davis on Wednesday night, DNPCD. But the Wizards did win, and uh, the way that things go with this team, you never, ever, ever take that for granted. Next up for the Wizards, the regular season home opener, home to the Chicago Bulls, Friday night at 7. And before we call it a show, I have a Goldilocks preview and pick. Uh, this for you for Virginia. Uh, this for Wahoo Wah. Uh, Goldilocks is having a horrendous season. 0-4 last week. 9-18 and on the season. This is just one of those years, man, okay? Everything that can go wrong with the picks has gone wrong. I last week had two bad beats, whatever. In gambling, some years just aren't your years. Uh, this year has not been my year. Uh, just like this year has not been Virginia's year. Uh, UVA at Georgia Tech, Thursday night at 7.30. The Cavaliers per win bet as of very early Thursday morning are plus three. Uh, the Cavs haven't played a game since October 8th when they fell to 2-4 and four overall and 0-3 and in the ACC with a 34-17 loss to Louisville at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia. That was the Wahoos homecoming game. Uh, they won the first quarter 10-0. Uh, they then lost the rest of the game 34-7 and they lost despite catching a major break. Louisville star quarterback Malik Cunningham did not play in the game due to being in concussion protocol, but the Who's defense ended up being a big disappointment. The Who's allowed Louisville to score 34 points, amass 473 total net yards of offense, average 6.2 yards per play, and go 8 of 15 on third downs. Uh, the Who's allowed Louisville's backup quarterback, Brock Doman, who was making his first collegiate start 
to average 9.17 yards per pass attempt and have nine carries for 71 yards, including a second quarter, fourth and two, 44-yard shotgun read option touchdown run. The Hoos did hold Doman to just 17 of 30 passing, but he over his 17 completions threw for 275 yards. That works out to a whopping 16.18 yards per completion. Uh, The Hoos did have two interceptions, but also had no sacks. Uh, As for Virginia's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, who has had a bad season, he and the loss to Louisville did have his first 300-yard passing game in six games this season, but he still had a rough game. Uh, Armstrong had a lost fumble through two interceptions and took six sacks. The lost fumble was a killer. First quarter, second and six at the Louisville 28. Cavs leading 10-0. Armstrong, a 10-yard shotgun scramble on which he did a great job of evading pressure, but then lost the football and being tackled at the Louisville 18. So instead of a red zone possession for the Cavs while leading 10-0, Louisville got the ball back and ended up winning the rest of the game 34-7. Armstrong did complete 24 of his 34 pass attempts, did throw for 313 yards, did have a touchdown pass and a touchdown run. So he wasn't all bad, but you know, he just has had a really hard time this season. The Who's offensive line has been a problem. Their pass catchers have been guilty of way too many drops and I do not think that Virginia's first-year head coach, Tony Elliott, has done nearly a good enough job of tailoring the offense to Armstrong, who's at his best at a structure. Uh, there has been too much structure to Virginia's offense. Uh, you know, one of the things that Elliott has been big on is running the ball well. Uh, well, UVA's running game and the loss to Louisville did nothing. Uh, running backs Paris Jones, Xavier Brown, and Mike Hollins combined for 11 carries for 13 yards. Yes, 11 carries for 13 yards. And UVA continued to have a penalty problem. Eight accepted penalties for 66 yards. This just has not been a good season for Virginia. As for UVA's opponent on Thursday night, the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. Uh, they are 3-3. Three and three. They've won two consecutive games, a 26-21 win at then number 24 Pitt on October 1st and a 23-20 overtime home win over Duke on October 8th. Neither Virginia nor Georgia Tech is very good. Uh, But the Jackets, through Week 7, were number 22 in the FBS in defensive efficiency for ESPN for this season. So give me the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, minus three. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 426, a football Friday extravaganza. Uh, in-depth preview of the 2-4 and four Commanders against the 3-3 three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. I'll have a special guest to preview the game, Steve Zabin, my former co-worker at the Team 980, now the host of the Steve Zabin Show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and the host of his own podcast, The Zabecast. So we'll get a very unique perspective on Commanders Packers from Zabe, who grew up as a Redskins fan, but now is a Packer backer. Uh, additionally, we on Thursday expect to hear from Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner and Defensive Coordinator Jack Del Rio via post-practice press conferences, so we'll have that to discuss. I'll conduct my rhyming keys for a Commander's win over the Packers, and I'll give you a prediction for the game as well. Also on the show, college football. I'll discuss whatever happens with Virginia and its game at Georgia Tech on Thursday night, and I'll give you Goldilocks previews and picks for Maryland and Navy. The Terrapins home to Northwestern this 
Saturday afternoon at 3.30, and the Midshipmen home to Houston this Saturday at noon. And I, on Friday's show, will talk Capitals. So the Caps at the Ottawa Senators Thursday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. If you view him as the long-term right tackle, then maybe you wouldn't want to move him. But if there's open to, hey, we got to figure out how to get this going now, and maybe he could be inside. Is that also like sort of part of the short and long-term thinking with how you use him? It could be. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, hey, 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 Green Bay, this is what we're going to do. I mean, it's a good point. It really is. But, but I'm not going to, you know, get up here and tell you guys what, what what our plans are. You know, I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's it's a good. Qu- I mean, it really is a good question. I'm just saying, I'm not going to sit here and discuss what our plans are if we're going to do something like that.